So we've been going through the Old Testament. We're up to 2 Samuel chapter 22. Last time we saw in chapter 21 that David had to deal with some of the issues that were going on way back when Saul was king and he, he was messing with the Gibeonites and he wasn't supposed to go after them, but he did. So uh, the Lord sent a famine into the land and then David had to do some work to restore what was going on. So the Lord took care of that and he brought peace in the land and uh, the famine was, was over with. So we praise the Lord to see that one take place. Then at the end of uh, chapter 21, the, the giants uh, were taken out. The Lord showed us that all of Goliath's ferocious family, they were removed. So there was more peace in the land still. So that's another blessing from the Lord. Then we got a chance to start chapter 22 last time. So we'll uh, just get a, a little bit of look at that again as we get started here. Uh, in verse 1 it says, Then David spoke to the Lord the words of this song. So this is the song we're going to look at. And it says, On the day when the Lord had delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. So this song is pretty much the same as Psalm, uh, the Psalm 18, if you ever, or if that's one of your favorites, you'll notice a lot of things here that fit right into that one. Uh, there are different views, too, as to when David wrote this. We mentioned that a little bit last time. Some people think that he wrote this later in his life, and some people think he wrote it uh, much earlier, and that before he fell into sin with Bathsheba, and we'll see why when we get into the passage here. The view that makes the most sense to me, though, is that he probably did write it early in his life, right after the Lord rescued him from King Saul, but before he was into the sin issue with Bathsheba there. But I like what somebody said about this. They said they think that although he wrote this at an early age, uh, he was reading again when his life was older, and he could really agree with it more now as he looked back over his entire life now as an older man. So uh, we'll see that when we get in there. And the main message that David wants to get across in this song is that everything he accomplished in his life was not based on him at all, but it was all because of what God did in him and through him. So in other words, he deserved no credit at all. You know, he's saying it's not because of who I am, but he said it's, he gives all the credit to the Lord, all the glory, every single bit of it to the Lord. And now that's what the Lord wants us to get from this too, that anything that was good that has come out of our life, it was only because of the Lord. We deserve no credit at all for it, and hopefully we do give all the glory, every single bit of it, to the Lord. So remember, you know, Jesus said that we can do nothing without him. And that's kind of the underlying principle in this passage too as we read this as New Testament believers here. And to me, it's so refreshing to see a powerful and very successful man like King David here to direct all the praise and glory to the Lord for his life and to not pat himself on the back or you know, give himself any kind of push-up because of this. He, he really points directly to the Lord. So look at verse 2. We'll, we'll take a, a walk through this together. And uh, I pray the Lord really speaks to our heart the way David was intending here because he's trying to encourage people to see the world the same way he does, that everything belongs to the Lord, everything you have is from the Lord, and uh, it's, a real, it's a real awesome song here. So verse 2, he said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. 
when he says the Lord is his rock, I'm not sure what all was running through David's mind, but if you think back of what the rock meant to Israel, and I think that's probably one of the things David's thinking of here, uh, the rock was their source of blessing. If you remember, the Lord had water come from the rock when they were in the, in the wilderness and they needed water. So that was the picture of the rock there. Also, the rock is a source of strength. I mean, they used the rocks, you know, to build walls and fortresses. Uh, so a house that is built on the rock, you know, it's not on the sand. It's the idea of being on something steadfast and strong there. So David is saying that's what the Lord is to him. He also said he's my fortress. A fortress is a strongly fortified place. You know, it's heavily protected. And to hear David, for him, it was not only heavily protected, but also heavenly protected. And that's what he's talking about for the, from the Lord here. And, you know, that's where you want to be when your enemy comes after you. You want to be at a place where you're being heavenly protected. You want the Lord uh, with you there. So you want to make sure that you're on God's side. You know, because then you're in that fortress that he's talking about here, the one that is guarded by God. That's an awesome place to be. He also mentions here the Lord is his deliverer. This is the one who rescued him from harm and danger. And as David saw God this way, it would move him in his heart, you know, to give great thanksgiving to the Lord for the many times that he kept David safe. And uh, when we see the Lord, is our deliverer, you know, it should make us very grateful to the Lord too. So I really love Thanksgiving coming around. It's a great chance for us to remember to say thank you, Lord, for everything. You know, I'm convinced too that the Lord does so many things for us behind the scenes that we're not even aware of. And I'm hoping that one day when we're with him in glory, I'm hoping that he'll tell us about every one of those that he has done, you know, about kind of when we didn't even see how he was protecting us or providing for us or encouraging us. I hope he lets us see every single one so we can say thank you, Lord, to him in a very personal way, you know, face to face. And I know that we're going to be eternally grateful, but I think that would be so awesome just to have the Lord say, you know, when this happened, Here's what was going on. You didn't see that, but here's what I did. That would be so cool to have that conversation with the Lord. So David goes on in verse 3. He says, the God of my strength in whom I will trust. So when we understand that our strength comes from the Lord, that's where it comes from, it makes it a lot easier to trust him. That's what David says here. He's the God of my strength. He's the one in whom I will trust, you know? And it's funny because it says, uh, I will trust in him. David's learned to trust in the past, and he knows I can trust him in the future too, and you and I can as well. You know, there have been times when I've come to church and I've been very tired, but as soon as the Lord lets me get into his word and start teaching, he just fills me with his strength, you know? So knowing that really helps when I'm coming to the church, and I, I may be really tired on the way. I'm thinking, how am I going to get through this, you know? But I know as soon as I, I open the word and I start to teach that the Lord's going to give me that strength. And by the time we're, we're done with the study, you know, it's like, wow, I'm all pumped up. So I just praise the Lord. He is the one who is our strength, and you can trust him for that. You can pray for that. You can ask him for that. Uh, the second thing it says in verse 3, he says, My shield and the horn of my salvation. Now the shield... That means he's the one who protects him in battle when the enemy comes close to attack. 
You know, you may not need your, your shield when the enemy's way off at a distance, but when he's coming close to you, that's when you better get that shield up. And he said, the Lord is there for me when that happens. He is my shield. Also, he says he's the horn of his salvation. And the word horn there, it means the strength. They always looked at something, with, this is the horn, you know, that meant that's my, my strong area, that's my strength. So he says, this is the strength of his salvation. The Lord is. And that's awesome because Jesus is the strength of our salvation, right? And we can never save ourselves. You know, we can trust that, excuse me, we can trust that the work that Jesus did on the cross is strong enough to save us. So we hang on to Jesus because he is the strength of our salvation. You know, the Bible even says that we are in Christ all through the New Testament. I love that little phrase, we are in Christ. And that's pretty awesome by itself, but it goes on to say that our life is hidden with Christ in God. That's pretty secure and safe. And that's in Colossians 3, if anybody wants to check that out later, uh, Colossians 3.13, that our life is hidden with Christ in God. The third thing he says in verse 3, he says, the Lord is my stronghold and my refuge. And the stronghold there means it's a place that's been fortified to protect it against any attacks. That's what they would refer to when they said, I've got a stronghold over here. That means pretty secure place. You've already already prepared for any attacks that might come. So David knew that he could trust to the Lord to keep him safe when someone was coming to attack him because he knew I can run to the Lord. And the Lord's ready to protect me. It isn't like the Lord's like, oh man, I wasn't ready for that today. I was going to play golf or something, you know. I didn't know I was supposed to have my, my troops ready. No, the Lord's already prepared for that. And you and I can run to the Lord too when our enemy attacks us, you know. Our Lord is powerful enough to ward off any attack. We just, knew, we just need to do what David was doing here. He said, he's the one I trust in. And that's why we run to him. He also mentions him as his refuge. He said, my refuge here at uh, the middle of that verse three. Excuse me. A refuge is a place that provides shelter and safety. You know, we don't have to be left out in the cold in this world and, and feel like we're all alone. We always have the presence of the Lord with us, right? Jesus promised us that he would never leave us nor forsake us. That is so comforting. The last thing he says in verse three, he says, by Savior, you save me from violence. And we mentioned this last time. You notice all of these are my, my God, my strength, my shield, my horn, my stronghold, my refuge, my Savior. And it's telling us here, David has that personal relationship with God. He's not relying on somebody else's testimony for what they went through. He's able to say, I went through these things. I know this for a fact. This is what God is to me. So he's got that strong relationship with the Lord. That's why you see uh, my all over the place in there. And the last thing there was he said he's my savior. You saved me from violence as a savior specifically. He's the one who saves him every time he's in a dangerous place. Someone's coming after him. The Lord saved David not only when he was in battle, but also when he was being hunted both by Saul and Absalom. So when David says, he's my savior, he saved me from violence, that wasn't a one-time deal. That was almost a common thing for David here. And he knew that it was more than just luck or his own skills that saved his life during those times. 
He knew he had a divine Savior, the Lord who rescued him over and over again. And you and I can be confident too. Jesus didn't give us a one-time ticket, you know, uh, use this to get a jail free if you need it. No, it's a, a thing that the Lord says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So we can always cry out to our Savior. Uh, verse 4, David said, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. And when David here mentions that the Lord is worthy to, replay, uh, to be praised, I think he's saying that regardless of whatever happened to David. He's just saying this is our Lord. He's the one who's worthy to be praised. But David's got some specific reasons here uh, to say why he's praising him. You know, David knew that when he called upon his Lord, he knew the Lord would save him from his enemies. That's how strong his faith was. Picture that. David's got some enemies coming, and he doesn't have to sweat it and say, I hope I make it through this time. You know, it was pretty close last time. I hope I make it through. No, he said, I've cried out to the Lord. He's the one who saves me, you know? That's how strong his faith was. The Lord says to us that if we will ask for anything according to his will, you know, so as long as it lines up with his will, then he will give us whatever we ask for. And you know, the Lord, he's not offended at all by us putting our faith in him, trusting him for something. He doesn't mind that at all. Matter of fact, he encourages us to do that. I like what Chuck Smith said one time. He said he would never hinder anyone from stepping out in faith to do something for the Lord. And I thought that was really cool. You know, he was saying, even if somebody says, I think the Lord's leading me this way, and they step out, and then it, it didn't end up being the Lord's leading, it was the pizza from last night or something, you know. Even if that's the case, he said, that's okay. You just get up and keep praying and keep going forward. That's all right. And that's kind of the thing we've got going with the challenge of the talents here, a challenge for you to step out and trust the Lord. Let him stretch you more than you've been stretched before. Go to an area where you're thinking, Lord, I don't know what to do with this. The Lord says, I know, I was waiting for you to ask. <laughs> and then he starts moving you or opening doors and leading you different ways. So uh, keep going with that challenge of the talents. If you uh, want to be part of that, if you haven't been uh, yet, then please uh, let us know. That's just an encouragement for people to, to see what they can see the Lord do in the next so many weeks there. And when it says here that the Lord is worthy to be praised, interesting here that, that phrase, to be praised, it actually means to be boasted about joyfully. So he's saying the Lord is to be boasted about joyfully. <laughs> so it's perfectly okay for us to celebrate the victories that the Lord gives us, and there's nothing wrong with us boasting about our Lord. So don't hesitate telling people what the Lord has done for you. You know, share those testimonies of victories and give God all the glory. I remember the one parade where we had a brand new generator on the float and started spitting oil like crazy before the parade even started. So we prayed, you know, and the Lord miraculously kept that thing working for the entire parade. You know, now see, that's a testimony of victory we can share with people. And for those of us who were there and witnessed that with our own eyes, no one can take that testimony from us. We saw it and we knew this has to be the Lord. So see, those kind of testimonies, that's a victory the Lord gave us. And like David says, we can, we can joyfully boast about our God and the things that he's done for us. It's truly amazing. Verse 5, it says, When the waves of death surrounded me, the floods of ungodliness made me afraid. So David is not saying that he was never afraid. 
I mean, that's, that's our human side, you know? Sometimes things pop up and you weren't expecting it. Maybe you're thinking, man, I wasn't prayed up enough this morning. I wish I would have been. I didn't know this was going to happen today, you know? So sometimes stuff does happen and it makes us afraid. And David said he was in that place. There were times when he felt completely surrounded. And, you know, he could hear the, the waves of death, as he called them, crashing around him. It's kind of like the continuous waves that you see if you've ever walked on a beach by the ocean. You know, the waves just keep coming and coming, and they never stop. And David said he felt surrounded by those waves of death. You know, and it says, too, about the floods of ungodliness. He said he had so much of this ungodliness coming at him that it was like waves, and it made him afraid. You know, I imagine he was thinking about the times that King Saul was so close, he was almost breathing down his neck. And Saul was a madman, you know, who was very, very powerful being the king. So I imagine it, it did feel, you know, like the floods of ungodliness coming at him that were about to swallow him up. And sometimes, I know we talk about that ourselves, that there, sometimes when some ungodly people, people that don't know the Lord are coming after you or giving you a hard time, you, you think, how could they do that? But they're ungodly. They're not hearing from the Lord. They're not following him. It's probably the enemy that's motivating them. He's the one pushing them, you know? And it can feel like a flood sometimes because he just keeps coming and coming and coming, you know? So David felt that the floods of ungodliness were about to swallow him up. And that's enough to make anybody afraid of what's going to happen next, you know? It's like these things don't stop. I don't know what's going to happen. So he admits he did have fear. Uh, verse 6 there, David says the sorrows... You know, the sadness of Sheol surrounded me. The snares, the traps of death, they confronted me. So David describes how low he felt at times. You know, he was really down, and he felt like death was knocking at his door. Have you ever been in a situation where you were almost sure that this was it and you were about to die? You know, if so, then you can relate, you know, with part of what David was talking about here. So what do you do when you're at a point where you're afraid, like David said, and you're overwhelmed, and you think you're about to die? Well, look at David's advice in verse 7. In my distress, I called upon the Lord, and I cried out to my God. He heard my voice from his temple, and my cry entered his ears. So as a believer, you can run to the Lord and you can cry to him and you know that he instantly hears you. That's what the scriptures tell us. But you know, if you're not a Christian, then you need to know too that the Lord is not hearing your prayers. The Bible teaches that if a person regards wickedness in his heart, the Lord will not hear. The, the New Living Translation puts it this way, if I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. And that's in Psalm 66 Verse 18, if you want to check that out later. So if you want the Lord to hear your prayers, then you need to come to Jesus and get saved. And the Lord is waiting. His arms are open. He's not trying to not listen to you. It's just that you're not right with him. You don't have that relationship. You need to come to Christ. You need to get saved. Then the Lord is listening to your prayers. You know, Jesus said, no man comes to the Father except through me. So you've got to humble yourself. You've got to come through Jesus to get right with the Lord. And then his, he's fully open to hear your prayers. David knew here 
that the Lord was listening to his prayers. He said when he cried out to the Lord for help. And you notice here too, David says, it's my God. Again, David had that relationship with the Lord. He knew that his God was listening to him very closely. You know, when we have a loved one who calls us and tells us they're in trouble, we're not nonchalantly listening, you know. We're giving him our full attention. I know you've probably had those calls, and you're saying, what happened? What happened? Tell me. Tell me what happened. They've got your full attention, right? So when we cry out to the Lord, David knew this. The Lord is hearing. He's listening very intently. I love the way it says that at the end of verse 7. My cry entered his ears. The Lord is listening. He knows that we're in trouble. We need him, and we're admitting it. So he's like, you're my kid. I'm hearing you. I'm hearing you. Go on to verse 8. So David's cried out to the Lord, and he says, Then the earth shook, and it trembled. The foundations of heaven quaked and were shaken because he was angry. He says, smoke went up from his nostrils, talking about the Lord, and devouring fire from his mouth. Coals were kindled by it. So the Lord gets angry when someone messes with his children. (laughs) That's a scary place to be, to have the Lord of heaven angry at you. You know, I had a teacher at Bible college who used to say, when someone messes with you as a child of God, maybe you should warn them about what Jesus said. Whoever shall offend one of these little ones that believe in me, it would be better for him than a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Yeah, that sounds pretty scary and it's intentional. You know, I don't think anyone should mess with any of God's kids. And David shows a picture of that here. Uh, It goes on in verse 10 here. He bowed the heavens also and came down with darkness under his feet. He rode upon a cherub and flew. He's coming quickly. And he was seen upon the wings of the wind. He made darkness canopies around him, dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. From the brightness before him, coals of fire were kindled. So what a description here as the Lord talks about this. What an ominous picture, you know. It says the Lord is coming down, and he's coming down swiftly, and he's coming down in a lot of darkness. It's not because the Lord loves darkness. He's bringing this scary picture to wake people up, you know. Uh, The only light that it speaks of is kind of interesting here. It's the fires of judgment that are in front of him, and that's what it says in verse 13, from the brightness before him. And we know those are fires because it says coals of fire were kindled. And the thing is that that fire, it must be pretty hot to get those coals going, you know. I know if it's anything like the charcoals, I try to light when I'm trying to barbecue. Them things are tough to light, so it must be a humdinger of a fire here that the Lord's bringing. So it is supposed to be a scary picture. You know, if you see a lot of brightness and stuff, you might not be too shook. But if you see a lot of darkness coming at you with this bright fire in front, that might get your attention and say, we better back up. Time to repent. Get on our knees as fast as we possibly can. So verse 14, the Lord thundered from heaven and the Most High uttered his voice. He sent out arrows and scattered them, lightning bolts, and he vanquished them. Then the channels of the sea were seen. 
the foundations of the world were uncovered at the rebuke of the Lord, at the blast of the breath of his nostrils. Kind of a picture, too, of the power of God opening that Red Sea for the people to cross. David knows from history of Israel that his God is an awesome God. He's tough. He don't mess with him. So the scary picture here is in verse 14. That scary picture goes on. And it describes the powerful, powerful Lord of the universe who controls the weather. He controls the lightning and the sea and the very foundations of this world. You want a God who is this powerful to be on your side and not coming against you. So David knew this was his God, the one who was his savior and his deliverer. Man, do you feel the confidence that David had in the Lord? Man, he must have been something when he was going into battle. I mean, you could see that look in his face and probably remember like, like we said with his men, his special forces, when they were ready to go after somebody. Man, they had the look on him like, you don't want to be on the bad side of these guys. You better line up behind them and join the troops here. Yeah, so David, man, what a strong faith. Verse 17 goes on. He sent from above, talking about the Lord still. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy, from those who hated me, for they were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He also brought me out into a broad place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. You look what the Lord did for David here in verse 17. He says he drew me out of many waters. David knows the Lord rescued me a whole bunch of times. And David's, David's proclaiming this. So if somebody looked at David and said, man, that guy is so tough, he can get out of anything. He would say, it's not me, <laughs> it's the Lord. He can get me out of anything. He has done it before. Then in verse 18, he said, these, these people, the ones who were his enemies, the ones who hated him, they were too strong for him. So he knew that if God doesn't rescue me, then I'm dead. This is what was going on in David's heart and his mind when he was in trouble and the enemies were coming for him. He probably knows the strength of hatred and bitterness. And when Saul was after him, he's probably thinking, he's not going to quit. I know it. And he's got the entire Israeli army back at him. So unless God does something, I'm I'm done. I'm, I'm dead. It's an amazing picture there, you know. Verse 19, he says, uh, my support, he calls the Lord here at the end of verse 19. He said, the Lord was my support. That's the one who held me up. That's the one who kept me when I, I shouldn't have made it. shouldn't have made it through. Verse 20 then, he says, the Lord brought him into a broad place, and that means a safe place, a place of safety there. And why did the Lord do all of that for David? Look at the end of verse 20. He delivered me because he delighted in me. (laughs) Because of God's love for David. That's why he did that. And God loves you too, especially if you're his child. He loves you in a very special way. So we can be encouraged by this. And David wants us to be encouraged by this. You know, he wants us to say, that's my God too, David. I know him and he loves me. He delights in me too. Again, not because of who I am, but because of who I'm in. I'm in Christ. He delights in me. He loves me. Verse 21. 
The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands. He has recompensed me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his judgments were before me. And as for his statutes, I did not depart from them. I was also blameless before him, and I kept myself from iniquity. Therefore, the Lord has recompensed me according to my righteousness, according to my cleanness in his eyes. So this is where it looks like David wrote this the first time before he sinned with Bathsheba. And then, of course, he he made the next horrible sin of having her husband murdered. So, you know, David, I don't think, could proclaim these things uh, after the fact there, but he did before. And it's pretty interesting when you just stop and meditate on that a minute, you know, because we learn from this what a blessing it is to have a clean testimony, you know. If you're a young person, you've been raised in a Christian home or a Christian environment, never regret having a clean life. You know, praise the Lord for that. You know, don't be tempted to ruin your godly testimony. I know the temptations will come because the enemy wants to cause you to stumble. He wants to try to discourage you. But don't, don't fall for that. Don't be tempted and allow your, your good godly testimony to be ruined by some foolish people who would try to draw you their direction. It's a beautiful thing to be able to pray this way to the Lord, you know, just like David did in his younger days. He could pray this. And for those of us, you know, we, we messed up our testimony and we wish we could pray that way. Say, Lord, I've, I've lived a good life. I tried to follow you best I could. I've never gotten off of your path, you know. We wish we had that, but I don't know that a lot of us have made it that far without messing up our testimony somewhere along the way. But if you're, if you're like that, if you have messed up your testimony and you haven't repented yet, stop right now and turn back to the Lord. He gives us tremendous grace to start over. Don't wait any longer. You know, he's, he's waiting right now to say, get free from that junk. Don't let your testimony get any more tarnish on it. Get free from it and start over. Start with a fresh slate right now, today. David goes on in verse 26. With the merciful, you will show yourself merciful. With a blameless man, you will show yourself blameless. With the pure, you will show yourself pure. And with the devious, you will show yourself shrewd. It's kind of like the passage in the parable of the talents, you know, we've been talking about. If you remember, the Lord blessed those guys who were honorable toward him, right? But when it came to that last guy, that last joker that said, man, I knew how bad of a guy you do, you were. You took stuff, didn't belong to you, and all this kind of stuff. So I didn't do nothing with it. I just held on to it, and here you got it back. And then the Lord had to say to him, if you really thought I was like that, that I expected something when I didn't have anything going, you know, if I'm taking something that I didn't really work for, if you think I was like that, then why didn't you do something with it? <laughs> you should have at least put it in the bank and given it back to me with interest. So yeah, the Lord says, I will deal with you the way, you're, way you want to be, live your life and the way you want to deal with me, right? So David knows that and he says it about the Lord here. Verse 28 you will save, who does it say? The humble people. But your eyes are on the haughty that you may bring them down. And these are not eyes of compassion where the Lord is, is saying, oh, that poor guy. These are eyes that we would call, he's given them the look, 
you know? You guys are in trouble, these haughty people. And uh, it's what the Lord tells us in other places in Scripture. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You know, we don't, we don't like that place of being humble. It is, it's not where we want to be a lot of times. We'd rather be in the place of pride and in control. But the Lord says, humble yourself before me. What's his promise? I'll exalt you in due time. Don't have to worry about that. So David says here, the, the eyes of the Lord are on the haughty that he might bring them down. So you, again, you don't want to be in that place. Verse 29, he says, you are my lamp, O Lord. The Lord shall enlighten my darkness. You know, so David knew if you want to see things as they truly are, then you have to look at them through God's perspective. He's the one who shines light on things. Verse 30, for by you I can run against a troop. Now listen to what he's saying. I can go against a whole troop of guys, okay? By my God, I can leap over a wall. He's talking about a wall that's protecting a city, you know. What is that they used to say about Superman? He can leap tall buildings with a single bound. That's kind of what David is saying here. I can come against a whole troop of soldiers if I have to. I can even leap over an entire wall. So these are things that shouldn't be possible. One guy shouldn't be able to go against a troop. One guy shouldn't be able to just spring on top of a wall around a city and get in there. But that's what David's saying. Things that are impossible you know, with the Lord, he's given me great and amazing victories. He's allowed me to see wins in areas that should never have happened. And that's what he's describing here. Verse 31, he says, as for God, his way is pretty good. That's not what he says. His way is perfect, perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. It works. He is a shield to all who trust in him. Aren't you glad he doesn't say to the, the ones who trust him the most? Who's ever at the front of the line, you know, they're the ones that are going to get this. No, to all who trust him. The Lord said he is his shield. So David could see in the darkness here, he says, because of the Lord. And he could find strength to do the impossible because of the Lord. But he also knew that his protection, his shield, was because of the Lord. And he understood all of these things were only possible because of what it says here. He trusted in God's word. That sounds simple, doesn't it? <laughs> he trusted in God's word. And look at what he saw in his life. Verse 32, for who is God except the Lord? There's only one. And who is a rock except our God? God is my strength and power and he makes my way perfect. If you look at David's life and say, oh man, that guy just always seems to come out smelling like a rose. David knows it's not me. <laughs> That's the Lord at work in my life. It has nothing to do with me. That's God. He says, he makes my feet like the feet of a deer and he sets me on high places. He teaches my hands to make war so that my arms can bend a bow. And when he talks about the deer, the deer were very fleet footed as Maybe you, some of you hunters know that they seem to get through areas that normally people would slip and fall, but they just keep going. And he says, as far as his skill and ability as a soldier, he said, the Lord taught his hands to make war. He said, the Lord's the one that gives me arms that can bend a bow of bronze. That's like impossible too. And he said, the Lord gives me strength to do that. This isn't anything of me. He says, you have also given me the shield of your salvation, your gentleness has made me great. Wow. You enlarged my path before me 
so my feet did not slip. And the Lord said, no one, he says, man, I'm thinking this through. If he could do that for a deer, I know you can do that for me. <laughs> so he trusts the Lord, and that's, the, that's really the secret, the key. He trusts the Lord, and the Lord did all this for him. So you notice he continually points to the Lord. He gives all credit and all the glory to the Lord. You know, at the end of a movie, you see the credits rolling, right? If you watch long enough, if you didn't turn it off, you see them credits to go rolling. If David made a movie of his life, all the credits at the end would say, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. You just see that over and over again. And that's what our life should be like too. Our life should have the credits rolling at the end and just say, the Lord, all over the place. So think about that. If you're not there right now, if you say, man, I'm afraid a lot of the credits would say, jug, 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 jug. I don't want that to be seen. Lord, help me to change right now. Let me commit myself to you every day. So the credits roll that will say, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. Verse 38, I have pursued my enemies and destroyed them. Neither did I turn back again till they were destroyed. He chased them down. And I have destroyed them and wounded them so that they could, rise. They could not rise. They're not going to come after him. They have fallen under my feet. For you have armed me with strength for the battle. You have subdued under me those who rose against me. He knows God gave him the victory. You have also given me the necks of my enemies. And that's kind of a, a little thing they'd say back then that if you conquered someone, you would make him your footstool as the king, put your foot on their neck, you know. He said, you've given me that victory <coughs> so that I destroyed those who hated me. They looked, but there was none to save, even to the Lord, but he did not answer them. I think he's thinking, I know King Saul was trying to pray to the Lord and say, let me get that David guy. And Lord's saying, no way, <laughs> I'm on David's side. So he's saying, they cried out for help somewhere, even to the Lord, the living God. And the Lord didn't answer them. Then I beat them as fine as the dust of the earth. I trod them like dirt in the streets, and I spread them out. I scattered them. So David's victories against his enemies, he defeated them soundly. There was no question that when David defeated somebody, they were done. They're not going to come back and come after him. So there was no doubt that he finished the job. And still, he was taking no glory for it at all. He gave every bit of the glory to the Lord. Verse 44, he says, You have also delivered me from the strivings of my people. Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. I understand he's, he, he protected him, the Lord protected him from his enemies. You mean David had his own people coming after him? Yeah. Yeah, we saw those stories, too, where the people jumped on Absalom's side and rejected him and even had a hard time accepting him back as their king, even though he did so much. He says, you have also delivered me from the strivings of my people, and you have kept me as the head of the nations. That's talking about Gentile lands as well, Gentile people, not just Israel here. He was uh, the head of them, he says, a people I have not known shall serve me. The foreigners submit to me. As soon as they hear, they obey me. It's like if some nation was going to stick their nose up and try to do something in Israel, and all of a sudden David finds out about it, they're thinking, oh, no, 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 please, no. We'll be your servants. We'll be your slaves. Please don't, don't have David come after us here. He said the foreigners fade away, and they come frightened from their hideouts. <laughs> Can you picture that? 
These people, I'm sure, were so tough with everybody else. But when it came to David, we're going to hide. And when David says, you need to come out now, here they come kind of sneaking around the corner. We're here. It's okay. We don't have our weapons. We're all right, you know. So David, saw, he saw all these things. You know, even his own people come against him. And he survived all of that only because of the Lord, you know. He was raised up to even be over nations and all that too. He gives credit to the Lord. Verse 47, the Lord lives Blessed be my rock. Let God be exalted, the rock of my salvation. It is God who avenges me and subdues the peoples under me. He's, He's the one who gives me victories and they have to submit. He delivers me from my enemies. You also lift me up above those who rise against me. You have delivered me from the violent man. Therefore, I will give thanks to you, O Lord. Among the Gentiles, even among the pagans, he says, I will sing praises to your name. So all, go, all praise goes to the Lord. <clears throat> and I take this as a challenge for us too. You know, David says, I'm going to give praise to you. I'm going to sing thanks to you. And we understand that. <clears throat> David says he's doing that among his people. But he says, even among the pagans, I will do that. And the challenge I take for us is, you know, we love to give testimony and praise to the Lord right here among people that know the Lord, people that love the Lord, and they're encouraged by those testimonies. But we need to take those testimonies outside to the pagans. We need to be willing to sing praises to our Lord among the pagans. You know, Let them know how great our God is, the victories he gave us. That way when somebody hears your joy and, and hears the, the, the beauty from your song of praise, why are you doing that? Why are you singing that? Because of my God. Because he's my deliverer. He's my strength. We can say all these things, right? He's, he's my savior. So don't, don't hide your testimonies and just share them here. We love to hear them. They're, they're, don't ever stop that here. But take those testimonies among the lost as well. They need to hear. We were pagans one time, right? Without Christ, we were lost. We needed to hear those praises. And, and I know if you're like me, you, you saw believers come across your path and thought, man, what is it about them? You know, they got this, this deep joy in their heart, this peace. So yeah, we want to be those people, right? Verse 51, here's how it closes. He is the tower of salvation to his king. <laughs> he said, I'm the king that, that God chose. I'm the anointed one. He put me here, but he's the tower of my salvation. I'm his king. Not, not that he rules over him, but he's been placed there by God. And he says he shows mercy to his anointed. God shows mercy. And to David and his descendants forevermore. So he's saying his Savior, the one who shows him mercy, both now and forevermore. And God's going to do that for you and me too. And God is the one here, it says, who even is going to bless the future family line of David. He knows that. God promised it to him. He's not going to live to see it in this world, <laughs> but David knows God's going to bless my descendants all the way down the line forevermore. Wow, an awesome, awesome testimony for one's life. And again, that's what the Lord wants for us. He wants us to take this to heart and say, this is our God and this is our testimony. Yeah, so a great passage of scripture. Go back here when you need to be encouraged, you need to be strengthened. When you feel like you're alone, you feel like you're overwhelmed, come right back here and just walk with David through this testimony of his life. 
Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word of truth. Thank you, Lord, that you speak to us. This morning you spoke to our heart and you told us the truth that you love being our God. Father, we thank you so much for that love. Help us to just pour our love back to you. Lord, if there's someone here today who's really been going through it, Lord, and as they heard these words, they just encourage them, build them up, lift them up. Please, Lord, continue to strengthen them. And help us all, Lord, to have your testimonies on our lips, on our tongue, ready to share. And let us not hide our songs of praise when we're out in the world, but let those songs just come out of us, Lord. I know you said when you fill us with your spirit, that's one of the things that happens is the songs of our heart are there. And Lord, we know that. We've seen that. So Lord, we look forward to what you're going to do. In these coming days, we don't know how many may be left before you return. But Lord, use us. We're your children, and we just pray you would use our life to glorify you and help us to see it, acknowledge it, and give you all the credit and glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.